Welcome to the Cake DeFi Podcast, where we bring you the latest and greatest from the exciting world of crypto, blockchain, and finance. Here is your host, the international blockchain expert, serial entrepreneur, investor, and Cake DeFi CEO, Dr. Julian Haas. With this, let's get going. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy last day of February. February 28th, it's, yeah, reflection day. Let's reflect February. Let's kind of forecast March. To be honest, the last week since our last Twitter space, relatively quiet. Um, that was expected though, um, not much happening. Um, also, probably to start into March um, this week now, relatively quiet. So I think it's a really, really, really good opportunity to reflect the entire month, um, to kind of give a bit of a forecast for March, what are our expectations, and I think that's going to be a really nice kind of overview. Maybe as a, as a kind of guidance at the beginning of February, Fabio, I think both of I, uh, Fabio, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I think both of us agreed that we are expecting a slightly, like not a crash, but like a slight negative touch to February. Um, I mean, the month is not over, uh, but at the moment looks like a slight positive touch. Now, I don't think this is like dramatic. So I think whether the market is down 1% or up 1%, I don't think that matters. Um, but I think what we should be doing is reflecting on the whole kind of month on how were the news? Was that more on the bearish side, on the bullish side? And did the market kind of react that way? Did it react the other way? Why did it do that? And are we expecting this to continue for March? So um, let's kind of do this a bit, Fabio. Um, what, what do you see as a sentiment right now, right? End of February. How kind of do you remember February? And uh, yeah, kind of reflect on that before we then look more into March. Let's really kind of do a bit of a, a review on that. So uh, I'm not yet worried that we are losing our mojo. Um, we, we're still uh, okay-ish. Uh, both of us expected um, February to be slightly red. It is slightly green. Um, so I would still say it's in the range of being expected. Um, what's definitely happened is um, we lost a little bit of bullish momentum that nobody expected. So January began uh, a lot more bullish than, than most of us uh, expected. And February kind of cooled it down. Um, and now... I would say March, March is going to be pretty decisive um, if we are going to break to the downside or if we are going to break to the upside. But it could be a decisive trend indicator for the coming period, um, especially um, everything seems to hang on a thread a little bit. So if you if you look at the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ, uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, everything is just holding up um, slightly green still. Uh, but uh, a, a slight move downwards from a technical perspective wouldn't be beautiful. Let's let's just say like that. Uh, what are you expecting from March? Um... Now, um, okay, maybe let's. I, I want to dive a bit more into kind of February. I mean, if I look at in the entire kind of months, right? I agree with you. Uh, drive mojo and so on. I, I think March uh, February was to me quite like mixed on, on a couple of things. Um, on the one hand, if I kind of reflect a bit on, um, obviously we had the Fed decision, um, we had CPI numbers. Um, I think all these really happened as expected and the market didn't really react to that. So I think, yeah, that was kind of as expected. I actually very much expect this going forward. I mean, we're going to see another uh, Fed meeting mid-March or 20th of March or something. So um, CPI numbers. So I think that's going to be very similar. I think on a very positive note, um, in February, we saw the DCG Genesis kind of dilemma really calming down. So I think that domino is kind of really kind of easing up. So I think these are the good kind of things to it all. Um, to me, the big kind of negative ones are mainly around US regulation. And I, I, I actually think that that's probably going to be a bit of the the theme going forward in that kind of fight here a bit, where on the one hand, you do have some kind of easing up in crypto as a whole. Um, I think you're going to have that fighting with, in general, 
maybe the entire general sentiment is a bit cautious, right? Like not necessarily because of crypto, but just, okay, what's going to happen in the macro economy? Like people are just kind of, just in general cautious. And that's probably more on the neutral kind of side. But then on the negative side, it's just people are getting a bit worried on what is the SEC going to do? Is the SEC going to go against an exchange next? Is it going to go after staking in general? Is it going to try to get Ethereum to become a security? Is it going to go after all the tokens, all the coins? Um, you know, is it actually going to go after DeFi? So that's just a bit of how I remember February. Are there kind of key events that you feel that we're missing, that that we're leaving out or, or things that are are um, quite crucial? So the dominating theme for February has definitely been the SEC, and not only uh, staking and stable coins, but they're going after other industries as well. Uh, I saw a few articles that they're going after the Mormon church. And uh, really? just in general, they really tuned up their their stance. They, they became increasingly aggressive on, on several um, uh, fronts, I would say. And... Um, it, it, what you just said that um, investors are being cautious, I think the same would be true for institutions because uh, Kraken, uh, there was no need for them to settle. Uh, they voluntarily settled because, um, and, and also I think for Coinbase, there was no need to stop trading for BUSD. And I think yesterday they, they announced that they would stop uh, the Binance stablecoin trading. And I guess everybody's just trying to be cautious and um, who can blame them? Um, because uh, it, the SEC does send a little bit of, I don't know if mixed is the right words, but they try to send a signal, I would say, uh, on, on, on several fronts. And the logical thing for institutions or also for investors is to, to be a bit cautious. And maybe that was the reason why uh, we haven't seen like logically, if, if somebody would have asked me a month or two months ago, if the SEC would do what it did in February, how the market would have reacted, I would have said, oh, that's definitely bad news. It's definitely going to end up in a big sell off. But it didn't. Uh, the market hold up fairly strongly, um, even though we kind of got uh, uh, bad news. Um, so that was a bit surprising to me. And yeah, what I'm really anticipating or looking forward to is how the market is going to react in, in March because um, we have seen you, you mentioned CPI numbers unemployment numbers um, and so on and actually the, the unemployment was good news but good news in this case is bad news for risk on assets and in uh, when it comes to CPI we expected a slightly lower numbers we got slightly higher numbers which is bad news mm. um, and the market didn't really react uh, there was no uh, major sell-off even though we missed expectations uh, which is also uh, surprising to me yeah mm. um, yeah I agree I think a, a key thing right so if I look at January so January for me was definitely a dissonance between what I was expecting at the end of the month at the beginning of the month and how the months turned out. And I think you expected January to be bullish, but you have to admit you did not expect a 40% pump in the markets in January, right? So I did not expect it to be, like I expected a slight up month, but not like even like anything close to 40% to me was not expected. So February to me, on the other hand, actually went very much as expected. So unless we see something dramatic now in the last 12 hours, I do actually think that months is very much as expected. So now I have to, as an, as an investor, right, I have to sit there and say, okay, how did value change over the last two months and how did the price change? And so obviously price is up still the same as the end of January. So it comes really down. And since February, I'm fairly confident about, so it comes really down as an investor on, do I think that January is up because the market is crazy and actually it's going to drop back down? If that is the case, then you should be doing what a lot of funds are doing right now, like Voyager and so on. Like you see Voyager actually start selling assets. So sure, they have to sell. It's a big difference, right? They don't, it's not about wanting, they have to sell. Um, but you should kind of go that line. Also the whales numbers right now on Bitcoin, they are like at the three year low. So a lot, very few whales, like in comparison over the last years. Um, that doesn't mean much to be honest though, but it's just kind of as, a, as an example. Or you would go and you say, you know what? 
this, it, and I actually think we're probably going to be in somewhere in the middle of both kind of decisions. Or you have to admit that maybe December was way too bearish. Like the FTX sell-off was way too bearish. Like probably it should have had a little bit of a sell-off. That's fine, right? Because at the end, there was some mistrust in that. But probably it was way too much. So like it was not like selling off to 15,400 was probably too much, right? So maybe it should have sold off, I don't know, to like 19,000 or something, but not like to 15,400. And so that bounce back up in January is maybe a little bit unjustified that maybe the, the pump to 24,000, 25,000 was maybe a bit too much, but 15,400 is also too low. So probably reality is we are maybe a little bit too high right now, maybe, but we shouldn't be expecting a like crash down to like 15,400 from these prices right now, right? So like a 30% drop. I mean, that's kind of the if, if you're talking about 25,000, it goes to a new low in this cycle, we'll be dropping around 30%. So I would probably, right, if we're going into March, and that's just my personal kind of assessment in this, again, I'm going to stick down to that I expect a bit more of a red March. I don't think we're going to see a crash in March. But I do also think that people that have been bullish over the last two months if they don't see returns and like February was a zero return month, basically, I'm sure there's slight returns, but like zero return, people may say, you know what, let's pocket the gains from January. Let's just be happy about them because these are massive returns. And then let's wait and see what's going to happen next. So that is just where I think there's some cautious like play in this. I really struggle a little bit seeing where the major upside is coming from unless we have some catalyst or unless there's some really crazy bullish sentiment again. And I just struggle with that. So I don't know how you see this. Um, what I, I know you follow charts way more. I want to say one thing. I'm actually super skeptical of technical analysis pretty much 99% of the time. I would say that maybe the next one week, two weeks could actually work for technical analysis because I'm not expecting much action. There's, I, I think there's very little actual underlying change. Obviously, there could be like a dramatic change now, right? But like, I'm not expecting any. And in times like these, technical analysis can work really well. So I would actually be quite interested. What does technical analysis say right now? Because for the next one or two weeks, I wouldn't be too surprised if technical analysis could be quite spot on. And I know you're following this way more than me. So two, two things that come to mind to me. Um, so one thing is... Um, the hopium part of, of the crypto uh, industry is always expecting a V-shaped recovery. All, we are wishing for that. We are crossing our fingers. Okay, we had this big sell-off and now we found a bottom. We go to the moon now. That's like, if you if you look at the, the hopium dealers, the, the people that post charts with cycle charts and, and so on, they always uh, feature and illustrate these V-shaped recoveries. Um, my personal opinion on this is probably this time it's not going to be V-shaped at all. It's probably going to be dragged out over the course of the year with, um, I, I'm not expecting a super sharp downside. I'm also not expecting a super sharp upside. But um, we, we, we could move between, I don't know, uh, 18,000 and, and 25 or, or even 30,000 for, for, for an extensive period of time. What the charts say right now and the most important thing in my opinion to look at I don't like to look at a lot of indicators. I like to keep it pretty basic. So one of the things um, that um, uh, I'm looking at is the 200 weekly moving average. And this uh, indicator was, it, it's the first time that um, you could say it, it is a bit invalid because until now it was always a, a, a very, very strong support level. And right now, it's actually resistance. We went straight up to the 200 weekly moving average. We got rejected, and we are slightly beneath the 200 weekly moving average, which is a very bearish sign. Uh, of course, um, you can make the argument, okay, we tested it once. We will go up again, and we will break it. But um, from a technical standpoint, uh, it would be a, the best thing to do um, as a trader uh, would be to wait for confirmation, to break to the upside, found support in it again, and this would definitely be a bullish setup. Um, if you look at other indicators, like if you look at long-time indicators, like, for example, the RSI or the Williams or the Mayer Multiple or the 
um, this, the, the uh, extreme values uh, indicators. All of them iterate that we are in a bottoming area. They, they're not specifically telling you, okay, the bottom is in, um, but they are telling you it is a great time to buy or it was a great time to buy. Like, of course, the indicators looked a lot better 30 days ago than they are looking right now because we had this upswing in January. Um, but there's still all these long-term indicators, they're practically telling you, okay, this is actually not a bad price. Um, but for me, the most important thing from a technical standpoint would be um, making or taking out the 200 weekly moving average uh, for Bitcoin, which currently sits at, let me not lie, uh, 25,000 area. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, I mean, again, I, I want to be I'm, I'm dead honest always. Um, I think 99% of the time, technical analysis is, in my opinion, for garbage. At this moment, as mentioned, could be interesting. And also, at the moment, most of these technical analysis on, on most charts, actually, it doesn't matter if it's crypto or stocks and so on, you actually see most of the prices at these super vulnerable kind of averages, right? Like a lot. And then you have like that the 50 does something to the 200. So like you have like on the weekly crosses down and the daily crosses up or something. So you have these really crazy kind of contradictory kind of behavior. So I do see where people are coming from and saying, ah, charts at the moment can really kind of push, uh, can go either way. And so, yeah, um, I mean, I feel so that as well. Just maybe one thing to add. If, if, if you want to keep it really basic, you kind of want to look at monthly closes. And then you can take either the wick of the candle or the full body of the candle. And you want to do two trend lines, one supporting trend line and one downtrend line. And this is just if you, if you keep it very, very basic with that, without fancy indicators. And all of these trend lines, so the downtrend line, which connects the high to the lower high, we are above that. We are above all monthly closes of 2017. And we, are, we actually found support on an uptrend line. So from a very basic chart perspective, we are doing okay. Um, but we are in this weird nirvana. So we, are, we have the 200 weekly on the upside that uh, is resistance. We have a few trend lines. And this gives us, um, I would say, a period where it squeezes in the price. And this is also why I think March is going to be pretty decisive. Because if we take out, just from a technical perspective, if we take these indicators and these trend lines out to the upside and we make them support, and, uh, this will be very bullish. But on the other hand, if we really got rejected by the 200, by the 200 and we move to the downside again, uh, that would, from a technical perspective, that wouldn't, wouldn't be that great. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting month to, to look at the charts. And I find it interesting that you say, uh, especially because there are boring periods right now, um, that technicals are actually a little bit more valid. And I understand where you're coming from because normally you can look at macro, you can look at the news, but if there are no news, if there's not ha nothing happening in macro, what do you look at? And then technical analysis kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because, uh, yeah, you need something to, to look at, I guess. Um, yep. Yeah. Um fundamentals anything for march flood like fundamentals where you're like this could be something that you're looking at i mean one thing that comes to mind for me instantly is like ethereum shanghai that went into testnet now i think they're planning to do this still in march maybe it's gonna get pushed into april what do i know um and i definitely think that that could be something yeah that that could be something to to watch out for um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you mentioned something very interesting to me this morning. These market neutral trades where you actually have two amazing ideas on. And I don't want to put you on the spot. Maybe you want to share them. Maybe not. But uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to. So I'm going to share the first one because I think I shared it a couple of times. The second one we're going to still keep because maybe at some point we can offer that at, uh, at Cake. Um, so if, if possible. But like the first uh, idea here is. Um, so this is not, you're, you're basically, you have to be careful when I say this because people always, uh, say, Hey, but you, aren't you bullish on Ethereum? Um, and then now you're saying like, go short Ethereum. So be very careful and understand the connection here. So one of the ideas could be that over the next four to six weeks, you go long Bitcoin at the same time you go short Ethereum, right? You have to do both. Like if you go just one of those, you're actually taking this the wrong way because there is a chance that with the unstaking, 
Ethereum performs slightly worse than the rest of the market. And so there's a good chance for that, right? Why? Because even though they're limiting it and, and, and whatever, right? And for sure, there will be more people staking. That's fine. But people who are unstaking are going to be people who actually want to get out of ETH. Otherwise, that makes no sense. Like, why would you start unstaking? The only reason is you want to get out of ETH. Makes no sense to not get your returns on ETH anymore. So you're going to sell. But people actually entering staking do not necessarily buy ETH. Actually, most of them are just going to wait and then they're going to go in and they have the ETH already. So I do think over the next four to six weeks, ETH can underperform Bitcoin. Um, and I think it has actually underperformed the entire year so far, which is something that um, I actually expected. Let me just quickly check this up. Um, while you check it, uh, maybe a, a slight reminder that I, I, I just uh, wrote a message in chat because I, I think we probably can agree that we are a little bit undecided when it comes to March. But maybe going into April and in May, uh, six months back, Julian, you actually made a prediction uh, that on, on the 1st of April, second. Uh, there's second. Oh, sorry. The 2nd of April is Pump Day. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it's and this prediction uh, it, you need to take it with a not a grain of salt, but a no, bag no, of you salt, can no, no. There is definitely gonna be a pump, but I didn't, I didn't specify what kind of pump, right? So it can be just me in the gym getting a pump. So I just want to be very clear, right? So there's no specifics on the pump. Um, I didn't say prices pumped or something, nothing like none of that, right? And uh, but uh, obviously people, um, like I, I said, uh, there's gonna be a pump on the second of April, just like there was a pump on April two thousand nineteen. And um, I understand that people instantly assume that this is a crypto price pump, but this is not what I specified on the tweet. I left it very open and it can be just some me in the gym, right? And I was in the gym on April 2nd in, in April 2019. So I'm going to be in the gym again. So I just want to be very, very clear. Um, so absolutely not financial advice. Take this with a massive grain of salt for crypto pumps. Um, again, so in 2019, 2nd of April, there was a massive pump out of nowhere. No one, and I still don't understand where it comes from. Um, I still think it was Tether who had to manipulate the market, but that's really a, an assumption. Um, and yeah, uh, so let's see. That's going to be an interesting one in, in a month's time. So the two variables, of course, that uh, are still hanging above us like a dark cloud is we have a Fed meeting in March and one in May. And I think the expectations there is they're going to hike. Uh, I think 25 basis points, uh, probably twice, no? Yep, yep, probably. Um, and like, in my opinion, it's probably uh, going to be the same as, as the last few rate hikes that uh, were anticipated and priced in. So the market didn't really move uh, regardless of them uh, raising uh, rates. I guess that the much more important thing is um, as well, what the, what does Jay uh, say during his his talk? And is he hinting uh, at pausing or at easing at the later part of the year? Because when I look at the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, they have like this prediction model where market participants say what they're expecting. And even though uh, even at the end of the year, there is not a lot of people that anticipate that they are going to ease again. Like a lot of people think they're just going to hold. I think the, the probability of them easing, even like in the later part of the year, is like at 4% or something, which uh, is very surprising to me. I personally would have said that the probability is a lot higher for them to go into easing. Yeah, I, I'm aligned there. Um, yeah. Um, Anything else? Otherwise, uh, let's give a bit of a preview what you can expect um, on Cake. Uh, unless you feel that there's anything else we need to discuss. No, I, it's really, um, it's boring. I, I guess it, it, it's, it, I, I didn't anticipate that we could fill 23 minutes with, with market and, and price movements because uh, there is not a lot happening. But there is definitely a lot happening at Cake. Maybe let's, you want to start maybe, there. Yeah, sure. Let's finish what Muhammad asked here about China and the right. money influx. Um, at the moment, Muhammad, um, the data is not there that China is pumping the markets or that there is this. So I think a lot of people are anticipating or hoping it and definitely could come. But at the moment, the data is not there that um, there's like a lot of fresh money going into crypto spe uh, specifically. Uh, stocks. Yeah, the data is a bit mixed there, um, but in crypto, it's not clear yet if this is coming in or not. I mean, could be. Um, they did a lot of money printing, but um, the data is not clear.
Cake. Um, I think there's two major things um, going to happen in March. Uh, the first one is pretty specific. I mean, I think you have seen most of the updates on this already. Um, Yield Vault um, went out by email, went out on social media. Um, I also uh, sent this out in uh, my newsletter yesterday. Um, this is something that you should really watch out for um, because it's going to be completely transparent yield for Bitcoin, ETH, USDC, USDT, or DFI. It's going to be native. So you put Bitcoin in, you get Bitcoin out. Um, it's completely transparent. You can track and trace it. I'm going to give you a really quick explainer how it's going to be done. Most of you understand that anyways, but I want to give you a quick explainer. And I also want to explain to you that there's not anyone else out there who does this in the same, in the same transparent manner. Because the key thing is that you can track and trace every transaction, every reward, everything that's happening, right? And that you are completely represented if rewards go up, your rewards should go up as well. If rewards go down, your rewards have to go down as well, right? So there's no black boxing. There's no promising of a, of a minimum a, a payout or there's no guarantee of something. That's impossible with rewards that are in DeFi, right? And so um, this reward is also has it, there's, it's zero inflate or very little inflation. Uh, majority of these rewards are actual fees that people are paying. And that's always the most powerful uh, rewards. So, um, and that's why it works with Bitcoin, with ETH, with stable coins and so on. Um, yeah, before I explain the kind of basic mechanics behind it and how you can track and trace everything, um, if everything goes well, this product should be launched this week. So they, we had it on, in, on staging internally, looks really, really solid. Everything looks fine. Um, it may still be that we have a like a last minute thing, then we're going to pause and we're going to launch it next week. But like really I'm making, I'm pushing the team, but at the same time, I don't want to ever risk, like launch anything where we can risk your funds. So um, yeah, so that has been a key thing. But before I kind of go into some of the specifics, are you seeing some of the talk already, Fabio, some of the chatter, what are people talking about? Again, for me, it's an absolute no brainer. Um, if, if you are... If you have any ETH out there, any Bitcoin out there, any USDT, any USDC, you're going to want to use that. So the questions uh, that maybe to just summarize one or two things that already happened and that are public information is there was a teaser shared on our social media in a video format where we are hinting at a new product and there was an email sent out. And in this email, we mentioned the four coins that uh, will be natively available which is Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDC, and USDT, if I'm not mistaken. And um, there was also um, uh, mentioned how much you possibly could earn, which was uh, up to 20% APY, which is yearly. And it was mentioned um, where the yield is coming from very broadly. And uh, there I would actually love for you to go into a little bit more detail. Uh, but one thing that um, people are asking is, of course, um, is there going to be a third party involved? Uh, is this a, 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 um, a product comparable to lending? And the other thing is, in, if you actually read the email, uh, the hint is it will be generated um, via negative interest rates uh, in the DeFi chain ecosystem. And everybody that is familiar will know how, how that works, but maybe you can give us a little bit of a rundown or an explanation uh, for the people that are not familiar. And I would even say that uh, even if you are familiar, um, it, it, this is probably helpful information. Yeah, so the way this works, it's we're utilizing true DeFi yield here. That's really key to understand. Um, if you are, so if you're selling DUSD in the DeFi chain ecosystem, there's a stabilization fee of 30%. And half of that fee that is being sold is getting reintroduced for anyone that opens a vault. And a vault basically means you lock up DFI and you can lock up ETH, Bitcoin, stable coins, and then you mint DUSD out of that. And so just with that process, you are being incentivized on these DUSD with yield on the DUSD. What this looks to you is, you, it looks to you as you are getting a yield on DFI, Bitcoin, ETH, and stablecoins. The biggest risk of that is the vault getting under collateralized. So the vault gets liquidated. That's the biggest risk. So how do you avoid this? Well, just like anything, you, keep, you leave a, enough buffer in there and you have automated systems that make sure that this buffer is kept 
And at the same time, you have manual systems, humans, who have to check this on a regular basis, right? So it's just like if you, if you know something cannot drop something else, you do it, put an automatic system in there that just makes sure it doesn't drop. But at the same time, you leave enough buffer so that then under, there can be humans actually looking and watching and actually know, like seeing all that. So that's going to be a really key kind of uh, way how you manage that risk. And so if you use that, that means you generate DUSD. And these DUSD, you can then sell into Bitcoin, into ETH, into DFI, in, and into stablecoins. What this actually does, if you think this through, because of the selling, yes, the rewards are slightly lower, but you're actually pushing the, more, the new rewards up slightly. So what happens is you're getting fewer rewards right now, but you're pushing it down the line to make sure that they are more sustainable. And with that, we can provide completely transparent. We're going to publish the vaults. We're going to, you can monitor all the, like everyone using this is going to monitor that. We're going to have automated systems. We're going to have people watching that. Um, everything is automated. Everything is going to be track and traceable. So it's not like we are paying you the rewards whenever. No, it's actually trackable to a reward. If funds go in, you should see this on the vault. If funds move out, you're going to see this on the vault. I'm um, also really key the DUSD that are going to be minted there. We're going to sell those off that are the rewards. So that's going to be your return. But we're not going to reuse the DUSD that are going to be minted in the vault. We could do that and we could maximize the rewards, but it's actually a massive risk. And I don't think that that's a risk that our customers are doing. Now, if you are someone that wants to do this yourself, and I know people are doing this themselves, you can reuse the DUSD and you can maximize the returns. To me, that's being way too greedy and it doesn't make any sense. So for us, we're not going to do this. A key concern, obviously a second key concern is how long will these yields last, right? That's a key concern. Now, this is going to take, I don't know, uh, we don't know. This could take months, right? This can take a year. But the key thing also for us is we're going to start hunting for other opportunities in the markets for how we can generate DeFi yield. And we're going to want to add all those various kind of uh, different avenues. So we really want to go down that route where we don't lend to institutions. We want to be completely transparent. You can track and trace everything. In theory, you can do it yourself. But if you're that kind of customer that goes and says, you know what, um, I, would, uh, I, I, I just want to, um, I, I want to do this myself. I can do this myself. Great. If you're someone that says, look, I just have one asset. I want to have Bitcoin. I want to have ETH. I want to have stable coins. I just have DFI. I want to be matched with other parties, right? Because what we are basically doing is we're just matching. So we're matching people with DFI. We're matching people with ETH. We're matching people with Bitcoin. And we're just basically matching all of them together. So we're expecting some people moving out of staking, adding their DFI. We're going to expect people to leave the earned product that we're offering and match them there, right? And the, and, the, and the ideal here is that it doesn't need an insurance fund in a sense where um, you can have impermanent loss. There's no impermanent loss. It's so easy to understand. You look at that, you see the vaults, you see, ah, this is my Bitcoin, this is my DFI, or this is just my Bitcoin, that's it. You just have to add one coin. Automatically, it's going to get matched. If there's too much of one asset, simply what's going to happen is that asset's yield is going to drop down. It's just going to be an average out, right? And then that means the other side becomes more attractive. So it could be that the DFI returns are higher. could be that the Bitcoin returns are higher. Who knows, right? So it's going to be a, a, a very, a very much of a, of a matching. It's going to be 100% transparent. It, yeah, we're going to keep this super uber safe. Again, we could probably max out this to get to 25 or 30% in yield. Not what we want to do. We rather give you up to 20%. You're going to get the actual rate minus our 15% cut, just like always. And we want to keep this as safe and stable as possible so that you have the lowest amount of risk with the highest amount of return possible. So uh, I, the one question, um, and maybe correct me if, if I understand this the wrong way, but this is not only um, a very attractive yield for cake customers, but this is also beneficial for the whole DeFi chain ecosystem because the incentives that they created with the negative interest rates. So as far, uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. So what the 30% the stabilization fee, a lot of people within the DeFi chain ecosystem, they actually don't want to pay a 30% fee, which is completely logical. People don't like to pay fees. But with our product, you, you have a very unique opportunity where you actually come in. Uh, you, you're earning a reward, but what's happening in the background is a lot of 
uh, funds get funneled through this fee. Uh, and this actually helps uh, to provide um, a lot of value and incentive for the DeFi chain ecosystem. Is that correct? 100%. Yep, that's exactly correct. So that's win -win. A, it's a, yeah, it's a real win-win. Like it's a complete win-win. So yeah, um, that's going to be a quite uh, exciting product. Can't wait to launch this. Um, again, I know that other platforms are utilizing that also for yield. Um, however, they are completely packaging that. So there's no scalability. There's no transparency. There is no like, like throughput at the same kind of uh, time. And so obviously also their yields are way lower. And so that's really because it's impossible. Like the only way how you can get a higher yield is if you remove the 15% fee, sure. Then you have to do everything yourself. You have to monitor this yourself, right? You like, sure. But it's impossible to get a higher yield unless you take and massive extra risk. If uh, from a customer perspective, um, we is this similar to earn? Will there be a cap on this product? Or if I want to allocate a big amount of funds, is, is there a limit? Is it first come first serve? Or how so is we will start with a cap. So there will be a cap initially. Um, so you want to go first come first serve. We're going to do a cap. Then we're going to monitor how everything behaves. We just like, we don't know what happens if there's such a large, like we, ex in theory, there's going to be, I know probably $100 million is going to get added there because we ran a couple of the numbers. We looked at how much other assets do customers have, what are idle assets, right? Then all the lending that comes out of the, the marketing budget. So that's going to stop, right? So there's no further marketing. So we're not going to do this marketing budget anymore for the lending. So that's going to get cut off, which is good for us because then we have less marketing budget spend. But so then this can funnel into that, right? So adding all this together is about $100 million. So the question is, how does the system behave if $100 million enter? So that's, we don't want to be able to add $100 million in one go. We just want to do this in stages, right? So it's going to be first come, first serve. So I can highly encourage you, have your funds ready, deposit them right now, have them ready. And then once the product goes live, you're going to know because it's going to go up by push message, by email, by social media, and so on. And then it's first come, first serve. I cannot tell you if or when we're going to do another batch, Right, we just have to do this in stages. Just monitor everything. It's gonna take a little bit. We just want to have for us the number one key thing is obviously our customer safety, and then the second interest for me is to have the DeFi chain ecosystem safe and stable. Right, so, so I so everything has to be done in 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 steps there. Um, let, let's just say I'm I'm interested, um, and I'm a customer at Cake, and I want to prepare. Um, so you mentioned very likely to be launched this week. Uh, we we didn't give away the the specific time and date. Um, nah, because so I we don't like at least I mean I have some idea, but um, again there's still some final 100% proofs I need, um, and then we can stick to that. Otherwise, uh, we're just gonna push it to next week. And so let's just say I want to get ready. Um, I'm excited. It sounds like a fantastic product. No third party, uh, sustainable and attractive yield, complete transparency. Um, so I have uh, I want to have. Um, maybe um, so it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDC, and USDT. If I have either NTFI. of these assets, um, I, I deposit them into my Cake account. I follow the Cake DeFi social medias like Twitter or Telegram or whatever. And as soon as there is an announcement, um, I can allocate into this product because I want to be I want to be fast, first come first serve. And initially, there will be a cap. So if I want to prepare myself, it's these four assets. I probably want to get started and, and and deposit them as soon as possible, and then follow along. Uh, on social media for the for the rest of the week, um, that would be uh, the, the the course of action. Then you're not gonna miss it. I mean, it's gonna go out by email. It's gonna go out by push message. It's gonna go out on social. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna miss it. So if you have, if you have your funds ready, um, yeah, you're gonna get in. So just have it ready. Deposit them now. Allocate them now. Like make sure you're there. Um, then it should be no issue. And but with uh, Walt products, is it that my funds are locked up for a certain period? Can I withdraw them at any time, or how does this work? Yeah, it's just like staking, so you can withdraw any time. So there may always be a, a small, like we're talking about a small delay. So it's not like instant second. It's just because we actually need to move the funds, right? So um, there's always gonna take a little bit, but there's no actual lockup. So it just like, it takes some processing time. Uh, so if if you just budget in, I don't know, a few minutes, maybe sometimes a few hours, it should be no problem. Uh, but yeah, it's not like where you're locked in for a week or something. So just give it a little bit of some processing time uh, to get funds in and get, fu get your funds out. Yeah. And um, is there a fee for adding and removing liquidity to this product? 
This I actually don't know. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> me, me neither. Uh, I wouldn't expect there to be a fee. Probably it's um, so. Please don't take me for my word there. But I'm gonna uh, we're gonna mention that of course within the uh, FAQ. But uh, as I would expect it, it's probably gonna be a little bit like liquidity mining or earn that um, we are taking a cut on the rewards. And yeah, yeah. The, so the, the rewards are definitely we're taking a cut there. Yeah. Um, I'm not aware. <laughs> I just don't know if there's gonna be a. Uh, a penalty on the on the entering and exiting. I'm not 100 percent sure. There could be just because of all the processing and all the efficiencies, but don't I have not heard of any there. So yeah, for really excited about that. I mean, that product yeah. is also going to be really exciting for a lot of new customers. Um, yeah, uh, that's going to be a really key kind of uh, marketing driver for us as well. So yeah, sorry, Fabio, it's but I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, for me personally, it's a very exciting product because, um, yeah, uh, I, I mainly, I, I don't really like to hold a lot of stable coins. Um, uh, so I hold Bitcoin and I hold Ethereum and I miss the, the lending product that, you know, was broadly available the last year. Um, um, so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, and the earn cap is full. Uh, so I have, I have some Bitcoin, I have some Ethereum that are waiting and um, this, this product, um, yeah, sounds um very interesting. Maybe um, just as a hint without giving away anything, but we have a few exciting things. Um, so we have this product probably going to launch this week, but we also have a few other things within the next four months um, uh, that are pretty exciting. Um, four months? Can... Yeah, within the next... So it's I don't March. know what you're talking about. I don't know. And you the... need to... Like that, now I don't know. I would have I known something we want to launch uh, later in the month, which is really for our elite customers. I think we have mentioned this a couple of times, right? And again, I can tease that a bit here. So like there, it's really for our, the customers who want to be with us. Um, they, they don't necessarily want to freeze their funds with us, but they're committing on working with us um, are a bit more of the, yeah, the power users, the, the elite kind of customers. They want to have extra service. They want to have extra access. Um, yeah. For those, we just want to offer something where we get, yeah, a special kind of program or commitment that they're going to be with us. And at the same time, we're going to offer them elite benefits that, yeah, um, customers that are not part of elite are not going to get. And so, yeah, it's going to be financial incentives. And then further down the line, there's going to be some very, very nice uh, things that I know have been requested a lot. And uh, yeah, so these are just things. So th that's not something that's going to happen in the next week. So wait a bit. That's going to happen a bit further down the line. Um, definitely in Q1. So definitely by the end of March. And uh, that's really for those of you um, yeah, that love using cake, that have been with cake. And uh, yeah, you see yourself, you want to have more. And in return, uh, you're gonna, you, we're going to create a win-win. Uh, we have your loyalty and we have um, you as a, as, a, as a great customer. And then in return, we're going to treat you um, special and you're going to get more. And so I, that's going to be cool. So yeah, um, but that's not in the next four months. That's in the next yeah couple of weeks. I don't know what else uh, you mentioned. Uh, I, I don't know. What's your sneak peek there? Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to formulate it more as a question. Um, one of the products uh, um, back in the days, like two years ago, uh, we started out uh, first, first, before we had lending, we had a product called uh, Lopis, and then we went into lending. And both of these products were my absolute favorite products at Cake. Um, is there, you know, within a year or so, an, an opportunity that we are going to reach out, maybe make new partnerships or offer similar products as, as we did two years ago? Yeah, I think so in Q2 onwards, there's going to be a very key focus on a couple of things, right? And so the products that we want to add are all around um, native kind of yield, right? So you put Bitcoin in, you get Bitcoin out. You put ETH in, you get ETH out. You put DFI in, you get DFI out. You put stable coins in, stable coins out, right? So that's going to be a key focus um, because we realize that uh, you use Cake, not because you want to have all this complexity that how Cake actually does it, you want to know how this is done. You want to have the transparency, but you don't want to deal with all this. And so that was one of the main key things where people are like, hey, so what do I need to do? How do I, what do I do with those coins, right? And so we, we just want to like, so the products we want to add are going to be a lot about streamlining that. So there's a lot of ideas, right? So, I mean, one idea has been, okay, again, none of that is confirmed. This is really just ideas. A couple of ideas for the rest of the year are, okay, let's bring Lapis back, right? Which was a very, very exciting product. I mean, this is from like, 2020, we're talking three years ago, right? Let's bring that product back. 
Um, maybe let's make it a bit easier. Let's make it a bit clearer. But that was a really, really exciting thing. So that's just something, right? Um, one thing that's definitely going to plan be planned for later this year is a complete kind of change in customer experience, how you actually get into the services. At the moment, I still think sometimes it's a bit clunky. It's just because it kind of got built right over the last four years. It's just like any app, anything that kind of gets built over four years, at some point it becomes a bit clunky, a bit difficult. And so we just need to revamp that in a very simple manner where, yeah, entering, exiting, viewing, seeing, the reporting, the dashboard, all this is super streamlined. So we actually have a team in the company that doesn't work on the day-to-day products. It actually works only on that revamp. So that's going to be a really key thing. And then obviously we have a couple of ideas, um, either some gamification parts where you know we add some gamification to our current uh, product and you get higher yields because of that, or we go a different route where it's more theme-based, right? For example, okay, um, you would want to invest in, I don't know, the Ethereum unstaking being a reason why Ethereum underperforms worth of Bitcoin. Okay, great. This makes so much sense. Now, you can do this yourself if you want to, but maybe you just want to have the hand-holding for that, right? Maybe you just want to click a button and say, yeah, sure, I would love to bet on that. Great. Can you help me do that? And in return, you you take some money for that? Fine. You know what I mean? So this is going to be the, the direction all this goes. Um, and yeah, we, we want to have, again, our vision has always been to have a one-stop app that gives you access into this entire craziness of, of DeFi and, and Web3 and crypto and whatever. And and this vision is going to become very much a reality this year. You will see this. Like puzzle pieces are all going to fall together. And then when the next kind of spring comes and then the bull market comes, we are so ready for that. And I think people really underestimate where we are and all that. And, and, and all of this, what you just mentioned, happens uh, while also onboarding different ecosystems over the course of this year's. Yeah, I mean, the goal has always been to add more blockchains, to kind of expand that, right? To build networking effects for, for us, that's really important. So we're going to do this as well. Um, and then I also want to point out one thing that doesn't take anything away for DeFi chain, not at all, right? We're still going to double down, triple down on that, right? It's just for us, if we also as a company want to help with the growth of the DeFi chain ecosystem, right? There's nothing more powerful to add more ecosystems as a whole, Right. And so with that, we can just bring so much more exposure, so much more kind of uh, reach. And so, yeah, we just kind of see it this way. And I'm really excited about this, right? I'm really excited um, to have a platform where people that want to get access to all this craziness, but they don't want to invest all the time. They don't want to invest. They don't want to do 6,000 hours of research. They want to have a plug and play solution. They want to be taken by the hand. They're so busy in the rest of their lives. And in return, they say, sure, I, I, I want to be able to trust you guys, but only because I can verify it myself. That's key. But I don't, like, I don't need to do it all by myself, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I, I know this is super complex and so on. I, I'm, I'm I really want your help. But I need you to show me that what you say that you're doing is actually what you're doing. And then I can work with you. And so these are the kind of things that um, that I want to do. Um, at the same time, make it very simple, very frictionless. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the direction. And so, yeah, I, I can, what I'm really proud of right now on the company side, I reflected a bit on the, on the report. Um, I felt last year, um, there was really about six months where we didn't get any kind of progress on the product side, mainly because there was so much shuffling around, right? There was so much like, oh my goodness, now there's uh, Terra Luna, there's uh, uh, Three Arrows. What happens to all the lending, right? So suddenly, and then like it kind of, this all kind of calmed down in Q3 and then bam, FTX, right? So it was like, there was so much juggling and shuffling and so on. And so now you really have that kind of base. The team is really structured. We, we really have these different kind of squats where these squats can add features and products separately from each other. And yeah, you feel this. Like, there's so much streamlining now. Pe- people are working on products and features at the same time. Um, and speed is just completely different. So um, I'm, I'm really happy about that. And, and yeah, I, again, I always say this. Bear markets are for the builders. And I 100% actually think we're doing that. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, we're really on a, on a really good track there. I don't know how you see this, Fabio. Um, so for me, the last two weeks, January and the first two weeks of February, I kind of hate this period. Of course, I love Christmas um, and I, I go home and visit my family with every Christmas. But from a company perspective, we always plan a little bit of a slowdown 
um, which means no major product releases in the last week of December. But then also, because we are a very multicultural and international company, uh, we kind of have two main cultures. Uh, and one is um, more, let's say, European, and the one, one is more Asian. Um, and so we celebrate both Christmas and Chinese New Year. And Christmas is the last two weeks of December. And then we have New Year, which is also Western um, or uh, European-based. And then we kind of have a few weeks, and then it's uh, Chinese New Year. And in this period, um, it is um, first you have one part of the company that is kind of taking their holidays and slowing down. And then you have the other part of the company that is taking their holidays and slowing down, which doesn't uh, um, perform into amazing performance but then suddenly after chinese new year is over you can really see the the, the speed increase like a car that is accelerating um, and uh, this is what i'm feeling right now um just like for me uh, the 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 way that i experience this the most is the first thing in the morning when i wake up is i check my missed messages internally my emails and right now i get like 300% 400% more messages more emails on company things that are going on. Sometimes it's even, it, it takes me almost an hour to, to get up to speed what, what was happening because of the time difference between uh, the Netherlands and Singapore. There's seven hours in winter time in between. So I kind of need to catch up to this seven hour period. And now you can really see things moving. Like I know the internal time scheduling that uh, the things that are coming up and that there is a lot that is coming up. So I guess for from a customer perspective, uh, there is a, a, an exciting few weeks and months uh, ahead of us or even i would say uh, probably until the end of the year because we tend to to finish the year strong so i guess from now on until the uh, first or second week of december it's going to be uh, uh, an exciting time full on full on great um i think nothing else to add here other than uh, get your funds ready um yeah and uh keep an eye out fabio appreciate it thank you um have a good February 1, and uh, then obviously let's start into March strong. Thank you so much. Appreciate you all. Uh, all the best, all the best, and uh, yeah, hopefully see you next time. Thank you so much, everyone. Cheers, and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cake DeFi Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this journey through the dynamic world of crypto and finance. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and be the first to receive the latest updates and news. Click the subscribe button now.